Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America, welcome to the 59th ever show of All Around Sports, where each Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsports, one word, com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week, as well as discuss my events of the week that I attended. Also, we will be joined later by our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post Sports Department. Well, Ron Shore burst Boston's balloon last night, leading right into my highlight of the week, which was, of course, LeBron James's answering all his critics by playing the best NBA postseason game in nearly a half century since Will Chamberlain in 1964. I was there last night at the Boston Garden to witness Braun's 45-point, 15-rebound, 5-assist masterpiece in Game 6. And it was one of the greatest performances by an athlete that these eyes have ever seen as he single-handedly smoked the Celtics. And this ushers in my low light of the week, which was simply the opportunity lost last night with Braun bursting Boston's bubble. The stars were out big time in Boston. The hub was geared up for an unforgettable garden party to celebrate this new big three and what they have done as they've turned their three-year plan into a five-year plan. But it was not to be. Instead... We ended up with what I'll call my bizarre story of the week and file it under the things I never thought I would see category, which was watching the Boston Garden nearly deserted for the final minutes of last night's game. However, it was saved when those remaining, maybe 25% of the sellout crowd, launched into a loud and long Let's Go Celtics cheer to send the team off to Miami for Game 7 tomorrow night. It was a very, very surreal ending to, uh, to a game six. And both Ray Allen and Doc Rivers talked about it last night in the post-game press conferences, both saying they had never seen anything quite like it. I've never really seen anything quite like it since uh, 1983 when the Celtics were blown out by the Philadelphia 76ers in a game seven at the Boston Garden, and that's the day the Beat L.A. chant was born. Well, basically, as ESPN's Chris Berman says, that's why they play the games. No one saw this coming last night, certainly not people here in Boston. And got to give credit to Las Vegas. I'm not a betting man, but boy, they nailed it by favoring the heat last night, which was deemed laughable by basically everyone in the days leading up to the game. So obviously my events of the week that I attended were all three 
Celtics Heat games in the Garden this past week. And also listening to a Doc Rivers conference call on Wednesday, the day after they beat the Heat in Game 5 in Miami, but obviously the day before, last night's Game 6. Doc had some really deep thoughts about this Celtics squad, and I think they might provide some insight into uh, what we could expect for Game 7. We certainly didn't see it in Game 6. So let's start with Doc uh, discussing when this team Turned it around. Play. Uh, Kevin was going to move to the five. Uh, Brandon was going to be the four. And um, we we're going to go from there. And I basically said, I don't know who else uh, off the bench is going to be in a rotation. Uh, that would have to be earned. Uh, but that's how we're playing, and that's how we're playing the rest of the year. So Doc described it uh, as the moment when things turned around. And here's a little more elaboration by Doc on that moment. I made some comments to our scouts and stuff before the year, and, you know, the, the two things I actually said was uh, if somehow uh, we can move Kevin to a five and we can have a starting four, that would be great. If somehow we can move Ray to the bench and get a starting two, that'd be great, but right now we don't have that. And, you know, as the year went on, it ended up turning out that way, and now Ray's back, obviously, in the third lineup. Uh, but I didn't know our vision yet. It was really a frustrating Two weeks, if you remember, Gary, before the season started, uh, we thought we had David West uh, side and then he ended up going to Indiana. Uh, we thought we had Reggie Evans. We thought we had Jeff Green. And none of those worked out. And that was almost in a four-day period. Uh, so that was a tough little stretch for us. And when Doc was talking about uh, the moment when he made the changes, most importantly, KG to the five uh, playing center, that was a game at Oklahoma City when the Thunder blew out the Celtics, ironically, Oklahoma City, uh, right before the All-Star break. And obviously it's been uh, all good since then. So here's Doc talking about this group of guys. I think it's always a process with a team, and I think it's a never-ending process. Uh, and that's one of the reasons I've liked this team from the beginning. Uh, you know, I, I think at times we didn't uh, maybe follow through on the message, but I always thought they were trying to absorb the message. Uh, so that, that group in this way has been pretty rewarding. Uh, having said that, you know, we just got to keep, uh, plugging along, and, uh, you know, but this is a good group. I've said it for a while. They're just a good group to coach. Uh, it's not clearly not my most talented group, but they're a good group to coach. Uh, they We have some wild personalities that all fit, and, you know, when you get that, it's really nice in your locker room. Well, obviously the hallmark of this Celtic squad is their resiliency. And boy, are they going to need it for tomorrow night after last night's uh, shocking blowout. So here's Doc talking about their resiliency. We're resilient. We've been all year. Uh, we've lost games. We've won games. But we rarely go away, if you know what I'm saying. We just kind of hang in there. Uh, our guys feel very good down the stretch of games uh, because they've been together. Uh, and, you know, listen, we didn't play well. Um, last night, and, and if we don't play better tomorrow night, uh, we're not going to win. And I think our guys understand that. Having said that, um, the fact that we didn't play well, we hung in there long enough, I think our defense gave us a chance to win the game, and then we won it at the end. 
Well, needless to say, the sense of urgency has never been higher for this particular Celtic squad than it is for tomorrow night. And here's Doc talking about that sense. I hear that, but, uh, you know, uh, we're trying to win, too. You know, and I've always said that. I, I don't really prescribe to that theory one team has more pressure than the other team. Uh, we want to win just like them. Uh, we have guys who are at the end of their careers, and uh, our sense of urgency, I think, at times may be greater than theirs. Uh, you know, but if it, it, not greater, it's the same. Um, so I think the pressure is in different ways. You know, they, they're, they're put under pressure maybe because of uh, the urgency to get this right with this group. We're put under pressure because, um, you know, our window is closed. Thank you. And obviously the Celtics veterans need to bring the energy tomorrow night that they did not bring last night, largely due to LeBron. So here's Doc talking about uh, how this group has been energized. I think uh, it's, a, it's a good comparison. And, you know, I don't know if it was Magic Johnson, uh, even though I do think his personality had a lot to do with it. I really believe veterans have to, they have to see hope. You know, I think veterans, it's very difficult when a, a veteran's at the end of his career and he's just playing games knowing that his team can't win it. I think that's hard. I think when veterans see themselves with a shot at winning it and winning it all, then I, I think it, it invigorates them. And I think in Rondo, uh, you know, after the All-Star break and the way he started playing, uh, I think it helped all our older guys. Uh, you know, they said, hey, guys, why not us? We have a shot here. Let's try it. And also following a game earlier this week uh, at the Garden, uh, I referenced earlier the Boston Garden crowd and the Let's Go Celtics chant, and here's Ray Allen talking about the Boston crowd in general. I, I, for me, the crowd has been great. You know, it's, it's, it's as good as I've ever seen it. You know, people who uh, we all have friends in town, you know, family, that's the one thing that they commented on uh, after the, uh, game three, how amazing the building was and how energetic uh, they were. You know, it got loud at some points where we couldn't even talk to each other, standing next to each other on the floor. And uh, it's, that's what you love about being home. This building, for me, more than any building I've played in ever. You know, it's my favorite building ever played. And Ray's comments were made before last night's game, and then after last night's game, he said he had never seen a crowd do what it did last night, meaning chanting, let's go Celtics for their team when they were down by 20 points in the last two minutes, and obviously it was a send-off to Game 7 in Miami. And needless to say, the key to the game will be Rajon Rondo. And here's Doc Rivers talking uh, or again after one of the games this week earlier, uh, talking about his guard, Rajon Rondo. He's good. You know, that's what he is now when you think about it. Um, he's just a good basketball player, great basketball player, and now he's consistent. That's when you cross the line, when you're no longer inconsistent. You know, he's consistent. His effort's been consistent. Um, He's been just terrific for us. Uh, he's him and Kevin, and, you know, Paul, all of them really, but um, those two have been unbelievable. 
And Rondo was the best Celtic player on the uh, floor last night. And uh, here's Rondo himself talking about what will be another key to tomorrow night's game, which is the Celtics bench. I think they've been, uh, they've been great for us. Um, you know, that play speaks for itself, but uh, not just on the court, off the court. You know, those guys have been great, uh, great veteran leaders. Um, coming in, showing young guys how to do it. They haven't played many minutes in the playoffs, but um, the number, their name has been called. They've been delivering, and, and that's what we need is a team effort. It's kind of similar in 08. You know, it's, it's not the superstars that get all the praises. Well, they do get all the praises, but it's the guys like the, you know, the P.J. Browns, the Colgies, so, all relevant comments, all spoken before last night's game, but very relevant as we head into the huge Game 7 tomorrow night. As I watched that game last night, in addition to being uh, starstruck by LeBron's awe-inspiring performance, uh, the big question I was also asking myself is, as this Celtic team, laden with veterans, finally run out of gas. And obviously their talk last night after the game, they were angry and embarrassed by what went on last night at the Garden. How much will that matter? Uh, this Celtics group has never done things the easy way. I've watched them up close and personal for five years. So I guess in the end, it's only fitting that they face a game seven on the road that will basically that will go a long way to defining their ultimate legacy. And sticking with basketball, my other event of the week was the Connecticut Sun victory over the Washington Mystics last Sunday afternoon at Mohegan Sun, as Tina Charles, the star player and Olympic team member for the Connecticut Sun, threw down 30 points just one point shy of her career high. It was a dominant performance, the best I've seen from Tina. And here's what Sun coach Mike Debow had to say about Tina Charles. It was because we needed every one of them tonight. You know, some nights you can get big numbers, but you're, you're beating the team by 15 or 20. We needed every point she got tonight. And I thought she knew that the pressure was on to score tonight, and, and she stepped up. I just was mad at the end of the second quarter. I, we went the last three minutes again. We go through these stretches where, you know, she's really playing well, and we'll call plays for her, and we don't throw the ball in. And uh, so that's kind of the riot act they got read at halftime. So as you saw at the start of the third quarter, she and Asia touched the ball almost every time down the court for the first four or five minutes. And it makes a difference. So that's Connecticut Sun coach Mike Tebow, and the Sun uh, play another home game this Sunday uh, when they host the Atlanta Dream, the team that knocked them out of the playoffs last year. And I posted video interviews from all of last night's uh, interviews at the Garden uh, on YouTube's Voice America channel, including uh, interviews with LeBron James from last night and Dwayne Wade of the Heat and Doc Rivers and Ray Allen from the Celtics. I also co posted uh, Sun coach Mike Tebow's post-game uh, comments from the win over the Mystics this past Sunday. And now, as my former co-host, Lemont Williams from Outside the Huddle, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. And Next will be Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post. <laughs> Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. 
sports have become a big part of everyone's lives today. We all have that team that we live and breathe to follow. We watch hours of football on TV, play Madden sports on our gaming system, and our wives can't seem to tear us from the couch. If this sounds like you, or if you're a football wife who wants a few words, we want to hear from you. Listen for Life, Love, and Sports, featuring your host, Ron Dixon. Ron takes you inside the world of sports and finds out what you, the fan, are talking about today. Listen Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Sports. This Is It Sports is an engaging talk program that includes you, the experts, and sports, all moderated by Coach Carl Hargrave. We'll talk about what's going on in the general sports world, collegiate and professional, take a look at youth-oriented sports, athletic development and sportsmanship, faith, and where it has its place in sports, along with a lively discussion with Coach Carl every week. Tune in to This Is It Sports with Coach Carl Hargrave every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. When it comes to youth and high school football, listen each week to Coach Al Gross at First and Ten Football. Coach covers vital topics relating to the latest trend on a national level. Join Coach as he interviews personalities from the NFL, NCAA, and the top high school coaches from around the country. Catch all the interviews and get in-depth information online at www.firstand10football.com. Your national resource for youth and high school football. First and Ten Football is Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we typically have guests, and on the line with us now is our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post. And uh, Barry, I went into the Boston Garden last night for a party, and I ended up uh, in a morgue. Well, oh. you know, yeah, it, it, it depends whose party you were going to, you know? I mean, uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, it, you know, it, 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 perspective is everything, right? I mean... True. You know, when 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 you have a situation, how much you know uh, going into that game? I don't know how much you know LeBron James was concerned about you know all the talk. You know, I think when you're an athlete, you 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 can kind of put a lot of that stuff out of your mind because your job, really, your job is not to define what your legacy is. Your your job is not really to you know kind of uh, you know deflect with the naysayers or, or think you're deflect. Criticism. Your job at that moment is to win a basketball game. You're an athlete, you're a professional athlete. That's your job is to go out, play the best, play the best of your ability, uh, make your teammates better, and win the basketball game. And last night, hey, you know, we've talked on this show about about LeBron about his legacy, and you know that's a big topic this week around the country. And you know what? He kind of, he kind of stuck it to everybody last night. He stuck it to the Celtics. He stuck it to all to everyone who said, you know what? LeBron, you're no, you're no Michael, you're no Kobe, 
you're no shack, you're, you know, and to a large degree, that's probably going to continue until he wins the championship. It's just the way it is. But for one night, you know, you talk about great performances, you know, and uh, you, know, you just spoke uh, off air a moment ago, and, you know, you had mentioned before, you know, maybe the best live sports performance you ever, you ever saw. Well, yeah, I mean, I think you can you could say that. I mean, 45 points in, on, in that spot, in that setting, in a hostile environment with the elimination game. You know what? Tip your hat. He did, he did what he did. Uh, you know, if he is the best player in the league, he certainly showed it last night. Well, obviously, all credit goes to LeBron, needless to say. Uh, you know, what he did last night was amazing, and the big question is, can he do it again tomorrow night? Uh, as Barry was just stating, they need to, uh, for LeBron to truly, truly quiet all his critics, and they are legion, he needs to win a championship. It really, it feels like it has to be now. He's at home tomorrow night in Miami in a game seven, and he just, uh, you know, needs to deliver. Maybe not at the level of last night, but certainly uh, he, he needs to have, you know, one of his better games, put it that way. And uh, he needs to lead his team to victory uh, to truly uh, take his legacy and turn it from what has been a negative into more of a positive. And, uh, and this is his opportunity. And then if he succeeds, then he, then he needs to win the championship. And uh, Barry, you back on the line with us? I am. Yeah, the, the, the perils of live radio. Sorry about that. But yeah. No um, problem. Yeah, I, I'm not quite sure how, how far we got. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, if you're talking about a legacy, you know, uh, again, I'm, I'm not really sure, uh, you know, how much that was in his mind. But yeah, I mean, one of, one of the better performances that you'll, that you'll see live. And, you know, again, I think you, you saw early on that he really took the crowd out of the game. You could sense that, you know, there was really a, you know, the, whatever momentum the Celtics had, uh, you know, from game five, uh, you, you can just kind of see that there was a little, little bit of, you know, a little bit of slumped shoulders, you know, a little bit of body language you can kind of sell. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the got a great start. And, you know, LeBron, you know, kind of, kind of stuck it to the critics. But, you know what, like, like I said at the outset, his job is to go out and win games. And he's not, you shouldn't be concerned with what the critics are saying. You know, that's for, that's a, a, a different conversation for another day, but, uh, you know, for, for that night, you know, it was, you know, maybe will it be a game for the ages? You know, it all depends what happens in game seven. If, if, if the Celtics come back and win game seven, then, you know, kind of everybody forgets about game six. That's, that's the atmosphere we live in today. You know, it's what have you done for me lately? What have you done for me today? You know, what have you done for me five minutes ago? What have you done for me 30 seconds ago? So I, I think that's what we're looking at. And, you know, but for one day, yeah, I mean, the, 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 the day belongs to, to LeBron and the Heat. Absolutely. Um, you know, will it happen again? You know, we'll, uh, we'll talk more about that. But, uh, you know, today, just for, for today, let's tip, let's tip our hats to LeBron and, uh, and we move forward. Absolutely. And uh, I must say that I've never seen the media so disappointed as they were last night, the Boston-based sports media, uh, as having for having to take a weekend trip to South Beach. And, uh, again, I can't overemphasize how ready 
everyone was for a celebration last night, to say the least. It, it was going to be like a quasi-championship, almost. I'll compare it a little bit to, you know, when the Red Sox beat the Yankees in 04. It was like, you know, the Celtics beating the Heat last night would have been along those lines. And, uh, again, not to be, but I got to ask you, what do you what do you see for Game 7, Barry? Well, it's, it's, it's funny, you know. I mean, you know, there's been a lot of detractors of, of LeBron James. And, you know, and at the same time, a lot of people are you know, kind of anointing him as, as the next guy. You know, uh, honestly, you know, what are the odds of him coming back in Game 7 and scoring 45 points again? I, I don't think I don't think very good. Um, no. And, you know, I, I also think, too, um, it, it's like, you know, look at the Celtics, okay? I mean, you talk about a veteran group of guys. You talk about guys who have, who have been in this situation, okay? You know, I, I, I just can't see Kevin Garnett, you know, kind of throwing up his hand saying, oh, yeah, oh, well, you know what? I guess it's LeBron's time. You know, we'll, we'll back go down to South Beach. Well, we'll, uh, we'll just go through the motions of Game 7. And you know what? There's better teams. No, that's not going to happen. They're too proud. KG and, and, and Ray Allen and Paul Pierce and all those guys at Doc. And I, I, I can't, I, I, the Celtics will not, will not roll over. They're a proud team. They're a tough team. They're a battle tested team. It, it would not shock me in the least if the Celtics come back in Game 7. You know, that's why we watch the games, right? If we all knew what were going to happen, then there'd be no need to even play the games. But you know, you had you had the Celtics winning winning Game Five and stunning the Miami crowd. You had uh, the Boston crowd last night, as you said, you're ready to party, ready to celebrate. You, you see the you know the the, the 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 spring was coiled so tight in Boston last night, just ready to erupt, and it didn't happen. And the Heat, you know, you talk about you know crashing the party, being party poopers, or everyone on the call, and they did it. And now it's all about, and now now the whole season comes down to one comes down to one game, and it's a crapshoot. And yeah. You know, uh, one game, you know, you're, you're, this is the way it's supposed to be. You're, you're, you play all season for home court advantage in a game seven of a series. So if you look at it that way, yeah, the Heat have the advantage and they should win. However, you're talking about the Celtics and the, the Celtics, as I said, or as, as we all know, you know, you, you've watched them for years. They're a, a proud, tough team. And, uh, you know, I can see them making a game of it and I can see them winning too. Well, obviously, uh, what I'd like to see would be uh, I'd like to see the game come down to the final minute or so, and let's let's get this question answered once and for all about uh, can LeBron produce in the clutch? Can he do it in the clutch? And there'll never be a bigger stage or a bigger opportunity than tomorrow night. Uh, the flip side of that is, of course, the Celtics do consistently produced in the clutch in the final minutes of big games and then none bigger than tomorrow night. So I would love to see that tomorrow night. Let's just, you know, have it, uh, have the game hanging in the balance in the last minute or two. And let's just see who goes out and grabs it. I think that would be absolutely fascinating. And, uh, and frankly, I think that's exactly what's going to happen. I have, I, I would be shocked if this game doesn't come down to the last, uh, few minutes, if not the last possession. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this is the way it's supposed to be, right? You're, you're right, to absolutely. Have, you know, right. You're, you're, this is what it's supposed to come down to, you know, at this time of year. And uh, if you're, and if you've got the goods, and you've got the ability to move forward, then you do. Uh, and, you know, this is, you know, when, when, you know, every kid, we've all done it, right? You know, when you're, when you're a kid, when you're, when you're playing in the backyard by yourself, when you're daydreaming about, you know, being an athlete, you know, it's always, it's always game seven. It's always, 
you know, Game 7 of the World Series or Game 7 of the NBA Finals or Game 7 of the Cup Finals or, you know, uh, the last minute of the Super Bowl. You know, it's never, it's never, it's never the first quarter in, uh, you know, in, in October against, uh, against Charlotte. It's always, it's always, you know, the, the finals or the seventh game of the series with the game on the line or the conference finals, what have you. So, yeah, I mean, this is, this is what, this is what everybody dreams about. And this is the time and this is the, this is the way it's supposed to be. So let's, let's, let's watch it. Let's get it on. And let's enjoy it. It will be enjoyable. Can't wait, as Bart Scott said, uh, uh, about a year and a half ago after the, Pats beat the or the Jets beat the Pats at a playoff game at Gillette Stadium and earning the right to face the Pittsburgh Steelers in the AFC Championship game and one of the all-time great sound bites. So can't wait is definitely uh, the theme for tomorrow night. And the winner of tomorrow night's Game 7 will be obviously worn out, but we'll have to then face the task of uh, taking on the Oklahoma City Thunder, the young guns uh, who just have put on a clinic in losing the first two to the Spurs, then winning the final four and uh, down 18 in game six the other night and uh, storming back literally to uh, to win that game. Those guys uh, are something else to watch. Uh, what, do you, what were your thoughts on the Spurs Thunder series. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny. You, you really, you know, we, we, we talked about this uh, during our last show. You know, the, you know, what, what are the odds of a team winning twenty games in a row? I mean, you kind of figure that ends at some point, right? Uh, you don't. It, there's, there's a reason why that 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 isn't done. You know, every year, uh, it's so hard to win you know, five games or seven games or much less twenty as the Spurs did. I mean, that, what a mind-boggling achievement that was. But then, just as mind-boggling, you know, to 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 be take control of the series that have it that have everything spin around on a dime and have the thunder you know kind of you know rested away from them. Um, you know I, I think I think youth is a big factor I think um, you know just uh, you know, guys coming of age uh, you know you have you know Kevin Durant is, is you know, a bona fide young superstar you have Russell Westbrook who's played terrific in this series James Harden who's played great in this series Scotty Brooks has done a great job Coaching these guys, and you know they're they're they got hot at the right they're, they're the right team at the right time, uh, the right group, and uh, you know you know you, you talk about the two teams in the East are both great teams, but you know certainly early on in the finals, no matter who wins coming out of the East, you know the Thunder they're they're a young team, they're an energetic team, uh, they will be rested at home, so you know they're just they're just sitting home in Oklahoma City, just kind of waiting to see what happens, so. Uh, I believe the finals uh, would start on uh, Monday, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so you know, so, yeah, you have, you have a whole weekend just to sit and, and rest and wait and just to just to see who they're going to be playing. And yeah, whoever comes out of the East is going to be beat up. He's going to be worn down. He's going to be worn out physically and mentally. You know, I think there's a I think there's a really good chance, no matter who comes out of the East, for uh, the Thunder to jump to, to really get a get jump on them, just because. You know, their series is over, and they've been able to rest, and they're, they're younger, and they're just sitting at home waiting. So, yeah, I give them an advantage, at least in the early part of the series. Absolutely. Absolutely. They are a fun, fun team to watch, and that Oklahoma City crowd uh, is also fun to watch. Uh, very collegial, needless to say. Collegiate. Mm-hmm. Um, but... 
Yeah, I mean they're they're, they're just remarkable. I mean, you can make the case that, uh, and we may be making this case in uh, the next week or two that they are the real big three. That, of course, being Durant, Harden, and Westbrook. And it was just funny, uh, ironic that last night before Game Six, in the uh, a lot of the talk in the Garden uh, was how basically Durant was better than LeBron before Game Six. Let me make that clear. And uh, you know, just the irony. I mean, everybody was just so pumped up on Durant's performance from the other night, and then. Uh, yeah, again, like you often say, Barry, that's the world we live in. So it was all Durant last night being better than LeBron and uh, wasn't hearing it after the game, put it that way. No, well, like we say, you know, one game can change <laughs> everything, right? So, yeah. you know, and who knows what's going to happen the next game. And, that, again, that's why we, that's why we play him. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens in Game 7. I mean, if the Celtics come out and win Game 7, uh, which I think they have a good chance of doing, um, we're going to hear all this, all this LeBron talk all over again, all the stuff that we're not hearing today. We're going to hear Saturday night, Sunday morning, and, uh, you know, we'll be talking about the, the, the old guys, the old Celtics going to face the young, exciting uh, uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, but if the Heat wins Game 7, then we'll, you know, we'll still be talking about, uh, you know, the young guys from Oklahoma City, but, you know, it's going to be a different dynamic totally. So, yeah, I mean, uh, it, just, it just comes down to one game for both teams and uh, see how it goes. Yeah, yeah, good storylines either way. Uh, number one, if it's the Celtics, you got uh, the Kendrick Perkins factor. Uh, Kendrick Perkins, Rondo's best friend, traded, mm-hmm. shockingly, from the Celtics about a year and a half ago. And then uh, if it's the Heat versus the Thunder, Need we say more than LeBron versus Durant? It'll be awesome. Um, so it's going to be good. And with that said, why don't we uh, take our break? And uh, on the other side, Barry's going to stick around, and we've got some more sports to cover. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Ready for in-your-face sports? Want to talk about the topics that nobody else is willing to talk about? Either because they're too scared to touch them or just don't think it's the way to go. You're not going to be shy here. Tune in to Here's the Deal with Mega and Steel, featuring Ike Mega Griffin and Sydney Steel Justice. We've got the facts to back up the talk and invite you to join us every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern, just before the weekend on the Voice America Sports Channel. We tell it like it is. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. 
all from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And... To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post is still with us. And Barry, I opened the show by talking about uh, Braun bursting Boston's bubble, and another example of bubble bursting has occurred within the last hour or two where it was announced by I'll Have Another's trainer, that the horse has a leg injury and will not be going for the elusive Triple Crown tomorrow at the Belmont in New York. Obviously, you work for the New York Post. I'm guessing it was shaping up to be a pretty big deal in New York City, to say the least, and now it's uh, basically irrelevant. Yeah, I mean, for something that that, that hasn't happened uh, since 1978, yeah, I mean, it, it, it was, and, you know, there was... There was some excitement about it, and, uh, you know, and the, there were a lot of people who thought that that horse had a good chance to win the Triple Crown based on the way he's been running, the way he's been training, and the way, uh, you know, the way the opposition uh, was shaping up in the race. But, you know, that, that's all, you know, that, that, that's all goes by the boards now. I mean, uh, you know, with uh, the horse has, a, I believe, a tendon injury in one of his front legs, and I, and I believe that the... Uh, uh, his connections felt that, uh, from what I heard, his connections felt that it was just too much of a risk to have him run this race. I mean, a mile and a half race is the longest race he's ever going to run in his life. There is no no other race uh, that a horse will run that's for the Belmont Stakes, uh, the biggest track in the country. So, yeah, kind of a kind of uh, you know a, a, a development that just kind of takes not kind of but completely takes all the steam uh, out of the Belmont Stakes, and it's it, it's gone from a a you know as you like to say appointment viewing uh one of the biggest events of the year of the you know of, of, and then certainly the biggest event in horse racing in many years in over 30 years to who cares so you know so yeah that's pretty much where where we are at the belmont right now because of this uh surprising announcement this morning so yeah so now we can we will still cover the race but that won't have nearly as as, as much the impact there won't have any impact at all Matter of fact, uh, before it was probably your probably your lead story in New York. Maybe maybe a uh, lead uh, maybe one and one A with the uh, Yankees Mets in the Subway Series, but uh, now it's uh, completely irrelevant. Totally, and you know it, it's really a shame. I mean, I, I like horse racing, and uh, it like boxing used to be one of America's top sports decades, many decades ago, and. Boy, I really think this is just going to hurt that sport so badly. I mean, they finally were at the precipice of, you know, potentially having a Triple Crown winner for the first time in 30-plus uh, years. And 
now rather than that you just have uh you know an entire population not to mention you know horse racing followers but the general population guys people like you and me who we're definitely tuning in tomorrow we're interested to say the least and you know to go right to the precipice of you know having this really really intense interest and viewership to basically as you said going total irrelevance is uh wow just a really really horrible horrible turn of events for uh horse racing in general as a sport in this country uh you know, it's just a shame. And, uh, you know, drawing another parallel to uh, what we've been talking about on today's show, uh, obviously, last night, nobody gave the Heat a chance to win in Boston. Well, there was another pretty big game where uh, nobody gave a team a chance, and that, of course, was the New Jersey Devils uh, winning game four out in Los Angeles. Uh, you know, I've talked throughout the show about Boston being ready for a quasi-championship party last night, uh, Eastern Conference, shall we say, championship. Well, the city that was really ready for a championship was, of course, Los Angeles, thinking they were going to have to uh, be able to celebrate the Los Angeles Kings' first ever championship in their 45-year history. The Kings blew out, whitewashed the Devils in game three, four, nothing on uh, the other night. And again, you know, shocking, shocking. That's why they play the games and that's why we watch because nobody gave the Devils a chance and uh, they, they just took it. Now, both teams flying back across the country to your area, greater New York metropolitan area. What were your thoughts on that? I know you're a hockey guy. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's you know, like we were talking before about the Celtics being a being a proud team, being a team that's not gonna, you know, uh, not gonna you know run up the white flag. I think, you know, I think the Devils and the, if you, it, I think the Devils, you can make the case of the Devils kind of being the Celtics of the NHL in a way because you know they have a core of veteran guys, a core of proud veteran guys who've won championships. You know, uh, you know they're they're you know they're big three. You know, the Devils have four big three, you know, when it comes to, you know, w- uh, winning uh, Stanley Cups. You know, Marty Brodeur, Patrick Elias, and a Peter Sikora have all won multiple Cups with the Devils. And you have a core of guys there who, you know, who, who know what it takes to win and are very proud and, you know, did not want to be part of a uh, of a sweep. The Devils have never been swept in the Stanley Cup playoffs in their existence. So you know, they, they were determined not to let that happen on their watch. You know, obviously coming back from 3-0, never been done before in the NHL. Uh, coming back from 3-1 has only been done once. So, you know, it's, the cards are still stacked way high against the Devils, uh, against a very talented and very good uh, Kings team. But, you know, at least for one day, they, they, they keep it going. And, you know, if it, if it does end uh, tomorrow night uh, at, at, the, at the Rock in Newark, you know, the Devils will go out proud. Uh, in front of their home team fans, they'll, they'll, they'll get an ovation and they'll, you know, they'll go out proudly. But, uh, you know, here's a bunch of guys, you know, much like the Celtics, like I said, I think there's a lot of parallels between the two teams, you know, two totally different sports, obviously, but, uh, very similar dynamic. And I, I think, uh, you know, the Devils certainly played, and the Kings too. I mean, let's, let, let's, let's take our hats off to the Kings, right? I mean, they've knocked off the top three teams in the West to get here and they've been, they've been fantastic in the postseason. 
they put together one of the, one of the best uh, NHL playoffs ever. You know, so uh, so congratulations to them for doing that. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I think the Delta, the uh, Devils are a proud franchise with proud players, and uh, they weren't about to let it end like that. So uh, hats off to them for for extending it even this far. Yeah, and the Kings, uh, obviously on an all-time historic run uh, in the sport of hockey. And, you know, they had a couple of, uh, you know, 3-0 leads in playoff series where they lost a home game and then went on the road. They've obviously been the ultimate road warriors. And uh, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, we'll see if they follow script or not. Uh but yeah, you make a great comparison. You know, the the Devils do have just a tremendous, tremendous history, proud franchise, and you know, uh, we all want more sports and more hockey. Uh, you know, I mean, that to me was the silver lining in last night's game. We get to see another game between the Heat and the Celtics. And when I was watching the other night, uh, I was you know just thinking, well, it'll be fun to see more hockey. But uh, yeah, it's. The, the Newark crowd will be uh, fired up, I'm sure. And uh, so, yeah, you, you cannot count these devils out, that's for sure. No, I, I don't think so either. And, uh, you know, is, is it going to go past Saturday? Yeah, probably not. But it, if, it, if it does, you know, you talk about the disappointed uh, disappointed fans and disappointed writers. I mean, I, I think uh, if it does if it, if it does go, uh, go to a game six, you're going to see some very uh, – Tired media dragging themselves, you know, all across the country again. But yeah, that's another issue. Uh, but yeah, I, I I would not be surprised if the Kings uh, ended this tomorrow night. You know, and again, based on their their amazing uh, road performance throughout these playoffs, so I guess it would be I guess it would be fitting if the, the Kings do hoist the Stanley Cup uh, in their road uniforms and uh, in front of a, a road crowd, and then they'll go home to L.A. and have a have big party when they get big party, big parade when they get home down Figueroa Street. So uh, I'm sure they'll be <laughs> anticipating that, primed toward that, and uh, planning for that. Absolutely. Um, well, again, going to be fun, and uh, yeah, now's a good moment to uh, insert my appointment viewing for the upcoming weekend, uh, which obviously is Heat Celtics Game Seven. But uh, during commercials, we can flip over to. Uh, Devils Kings, Game Five, could be interesting. It's going to be a great, uh, great channel surfing night. Needless to say, and not the, Bel- uh, not the Belmont though, not the Belmont. Yeah, no. uh, uh, <laughs> again, that made it easy. We can all like you know have a cookout and dinner and settle in for the nighttime viewing. Uh, but great time of year for all of that. Uh, and you know, we had some news in the NFL. Uh, Involving, interestingly, uh, the Patriots. You talk about uh, being busy. Again, I referenced earlier in the show about uh, the stars being out. And by that, I mean uh, last night, Bob Kraft and Bill Belichick were at the Celtics Heat game. Not to mention uh, everybody from Rob Gronkowski to Vince Wilfork. uh, The Patriots, about a half dozen or so Patriots, absolutely love going to Celtics games. But uh, obviously... Mr. Kraft and Belichick were busy because two big things occurred in the past 24 hours with the Patriots. Uh, number one, they cut Chad Ochocinco yesterday. The experiment is over. And number two, uh, within the past hour or two, 
They made Rob Gronkowski Gronk, who was at the game last night, as I referenced, uh, the highest paid end, tight end in the history of the NFL. And by the way, now's a good time to just inject that uh, Gronk is becoming a folk hero up here in Boston. Uh, at a gay, at a Heat Celtic game earlier in the week, every time they showed Gronk on the screen, and he just has an infectious personality. Needless to say. Um, the place went crazy, crazier for him than for any other celebrity they were showing. And uh, so his star is rising, and I think maybe uh, maybe the Patriots were watching uh, up close and personal at the Garden to see his reception because they got it done. And uh, Gronk will now be with us for six years, and he's $54 million richer. Yeah, well, you know, you were you were at the game last night. I, I would I would venture to say uh, maybe uh, Gronk might have gotten more cheers than the Celtics last night. Hey, and, uh, last you know, night he did, not the other night, but last night he yeah, did. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, even the beginning of the night, you know. So that, that's that's how crazy uh, people are for uh, for this, uh, this, this as you say, uh, guy that's reached folk hero status uh, in uh, in Boston and New England, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, he certainly he certainly backed it up uh, last year, and you know, and I think the challenge for any athlete, you know, when when they sign a contract like this, and when they're when they're when, when they get paid like this, and when they get acknowledged like this, is okay. You know, now you got to back it up on the field, and you know, it's always going to come down to well, this guy makes a lot of money. Is this guy worth it? Uh, you can make the case last year; he absolutely was worth it with the season he had and the way. You know, I don't ever remember a tight end changing the game uh, like he did. I mean, you know, you, you, you think back on, on athletes who have changed the game in their generation. Yeah, I think Lawrence Taylor and his generation changed the game the way the linebacker position was played. I think that, you know, way back in the day, Bobby Orr changed changed the game, the way he played hot and he played defense. I think you can look at a guy like Rob Gronkowski and the way the, the Patriots Use him and also Aaron Hernandez too. Let's not forget about him because I think he's his his success is responsible a lot of this too. I think uh, you know Bob should take Aaron out out to dinner or you know get buy him a you know diamond bracelet or something. So uh, you know because because you know because of that, that two pronged attack. You know talk about weapons that people had no idea how to stop. You know uh, you know just the two of them together. But you know I think Gronkowski in a, in a big way has changed the way. Uh, tight ends are viewed, you know, certainly, uh, certainly AFCs. So, you know, the big question now will be, you know, all right, well, let's, let, let's see if he's really worth all that money. You know, I, I, I think he probably is. Uh, you know, hopefully he'll stay healthy and he can, you know, prove that he was worth this big investment. You know, obviously the Patriots think he's worth the investment. So, uh, so we'll see how that works out. But, uh, yeah, congratulations to him and the Patriots for that. Yeah, well, I think it's terrific. You know, everybody around him over there at uh, Gillette Stadium, Mr. Kraft, Belichick, and uh, many, many teammates all basically say the same thing about him. Rob Gronkowski never has a bad day. He is mm-hmm. truly one of the, you know, most likable athletes to come along here in a while. Keep in mind, he's only been with the Patriots two years. He had a record-setting year last year. And... Uh, He's on a lot, a lot of commercials locally all of a sudden. Um, as you referenced, you know, he and Hernandez are tied at the hip, coming in as, quote, the two tight ends, but now uh, Gronk being your 
prototypical classic tight end, and with the name to go along with it, by the way. Sure. And, but Hernandez, more of a hybrid, you know, because Gronk has become such a great tight end, it has allowed Hernandez's game to be expand to more of uh, everything from a slot receiver to uh, running back, and. So again, they will always be tied together, and you know, Gronkowski's greatness has also led to Hernandez uh, becoming a star, and you know, the Patriots basically getting to the Super Bowl. I mean, Brady to those two was clearly the, you know, a key to last year's Super Bowl run, and uh, so yeah, so they got lots of receivers, uh, but they have one less, meaning Ocho. Um, you know, crazy situation. It just it seemed to come out of nowhere. Uh, there was some activity yesterday. By that, I mean as I'm driving into the Celtic game, I'm hearing things like, uh, you know, that Ocho, um, that his Patriot wide receiver was somehow taken disappeared off his Facebook page or something like that or whatever page, Twitter maybe. And then he apparently, this was all rumors in the afternoon on the way to the Celtic game. Uh, and then he apparently said, you know, it was a joke. And then Patriots wide receiver appeared back on his profile. And then an hour or two later, I get an email that, you know, uh, from the Patriots that he had been cut. <laughs> That's official. <laughs> and uh, so crazy. And I guess it's just sort of a. Uh, Typical kind of crazy ending to what, frankly, has been sort of a, a crazy story. Although, my final thought on Ocho is, is, you know, and I've said this all along, you know, he subjugated his flamboyant personality to fit into the Patriot locker room and do things the Patriot way, all well and good and, frankly, all commendable. But I have also always felt that, you know, when he lost his personality, he, in effect, lost his talent. He became a different person, and it showed up on the field. So... What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I, I think there were also some issues about uh, him, you know, not not grasping the playbook and not oh, yeah. being able to, to to get a hold of of, of the complex offense the Patriots run. So yeah, that, that's that's going to be a factor. I mean, in today's game, you know, you, you you have to you have to have a head on your shoulders. You you have to be able to you know uh, understand the complexities of the game. You know, especially with an offense like that, the way the Patriots run them, and you know, any any complicated, any intricate, uh, uh, elite offense, you know, you're gonna, you, you need smart guys. I mean, you need. I mean, I mean there's a reason why they do the Wonderlick tests for these guys. You know, they want to know if a guy, you know, it's, it's you know, it's, it's not like the the um, the uh, stereotype in the old days of you know the old uh, you know the, the the big dopey guy as the football player. You know, it just doesn't work that way anymore. These guys have to. Guys have to be as smart in the classroom uh, and in the meeting room, and uh, they have to perform as well there as they do on the field on Sunday. So uh, apparently, with with, uh, with the Ocho Cinco, that was that was not the case. And you know, I kind of feel bad. You know, it's hard to feel bad for somebody who made that much money. Uh, but you know, I, I kind of do feel bad from the way it ended because you know, you, you always want it to end. If you're an athlete, you always want it to end on your own terms, and this does not obviously end. Uh, in the way he wanted to, you know, I'm sure he's disappointed. Um, you know, will he catch on somewhere else? I don't know. We have to see. He's a little long in the tooth. His best days probably are behind him. But um, yeah, it's, it's it's kind of a sad story in a way because you you would hoped 
you know, if, if you are a fan of, of, of Chad Ochocinco, certainly an interesting guy, certainly a guy that uh, was very, you know, as you said, flamboyant in the way he, he carried himself. And, you know, he was interesting. I, I, I think he was fun. You know, he did a lot of goofy things. I mean, you know, you didn't always agree with the way he presented himself and the way he stated his case. But you know what? He certainly wasn't boring, and he did things his way. And I guess the only thing he didn't do his way was, was go out the way he wanted to. So, you know, hopefully he'll surface somewhere else, and hopefully he can continue to, uh, to entertain us the way he has for years. Exactly. And we're under a minute, Barry, so we're going to have to close the show. But I'm just going to, and I want to thank you again for joining us and for your terrific comments. And my final thought is how ironic that in the same week that T.O. and Ocho, who did a reality show together, as we all remember, were both cut and are at this moment in time both out of the NFL. And, uh, well, ironies never cease. So that's my final word. And Barry, uh, thank you again. Great perspective as always. And Voice America, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports. And we look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio.